Well, uh, last week, Mark kind of started like a pseudo-series, so to speak, just a kind of a mini little series about the church, essentially. And last week, he talked about, you know, why is the church important? And so he kind of unpacked a few things. This morning, I'm going to talk about why relationships in the church are important. And then next week, uh, Mark's going to finish this series talking about our giftings, the spiritual gifts we have, or just the the things that we can um, have to, to offer the church to carry on that mission to help others know Jesus and live for him daily. And so today I'm talking about relationships. And uh, the, the quick question is like, shouldn't we have relationships also outside the church? Yes, 100%, yes. I'm just talking about like the context right now of like relationships in a faith community and why that is important for us as we continue to kind of take this call um, to create more disciples and what that looks like for us as Jesus followers. So I'm going to do a little bit of like a biblical theology, basically using the Bible um, to use the text to make the thought process and like, here's what we should be doing when it comes to the topic of relationships. So we're going to use some Old Testament texts, but then we're going to relate that to the New Testament and even how Paul calls us and carries that out um, as the body of believers. And then what that means for us right now in 2021 um, here in Chini, um, or if you're watching online, maybe you're in um, Hawaii. That'd be awesome, right? You'd be up really early though, if you're watching right now live. Um, so before I do that, let's go ahead and pray. Then we're going to dive in. So, Lord God, again, we just come to you this morning with humility. And um, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Let it be your words, not mine. And, um, and as we take your word and just take the truth from that and apply it to our lives, um, let it sink in deep. Um, let it really hit hard so that we would be encouraged, number one, but also challenged um, in our faith and as we live out this call um, to not only know you, but to help others know you as well, Jesus. So, yeah, we just can give you this day. Praise your name. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to kind of establish when it comes to relationships is overall is that God, the God of all gods, our God, is a relational God. That's like one of the biggest differences from our faith to other faiths is that God actually wants to relate with his creation, with humanity, with people, and he literally has moved heaven and earth to make that happen through his son, Jesus. So number one, just knowing that God is a relational God. And we get that from the creation narrative and how he even sets up like the Garden of Eden and how this perfect idyllic way was even happening, that he created man in his own image. So it's something that he can relate with. And he realizes, oh, man also needs woman. So he creates relationship in that area. It's who he is. It's what he does. And so we want to live that out. And something that I always love too in Genesis chapter three, kind of a short little tidbit, is it talks about how God walked in the garden. Um, I think that also shows intentionality with God wanting to be relational with his creation. The few times in my life that I've run, um, I really don't talk much when I run, right? I'm just trying to survive and breathe. But like when you're walking, you can actually have like a deep conversation with somebody, right? Unless you're like a marathon runner and when you're running, you just can do, you can like do your taxes while you're running because they're just like, I'm in shape, right? Um, but when you're, when you're walking, you're actually having intentionality behind those relationships. And I, kinda, and I see that in God in, in, in Genesis chapter three that he, he does that. He walks in the garden with his creation. And as we all know, uh, relationship has ended, Sin enters the world and, um, through Adam and Eve, and that relationship has to end because 
God is perfect. It's not that he wanted to end. He just can't be with imperfection. And so from that moment, like basically God is now creating ways for him to restore that relationship. And there's time and time again that you read through all of the, of the uh, chapters of, of Genesis of how he's putting covenant promises with Abraham and putting in systems and things for him to dwell with his people. We go into Exodus and Moses takes the Israelites out of Egypt. And there's this really cool conversation that Moses has with God. And God basically says, this is the Cooper paraphrase. He says, hey, I want to dwell with my people. Like, I want to, I want to be with them. Let's, let's do this. So that institutes, like, the tabernacle, the temple, all these Levitical laws for, like, this, this opportunity for God to dwell with his people. It doesn't work too great because the heart of man is still hard, and there's still this restoration that needs to happen in the heart of man for that relationship to be restored. And it always, always points towards Jesus and so finally, throughout all of these crazy events in the Old Testament, we come to Jesus. And Jesus is the one that restores the relationship and reconciles the relationship with his blood so that we can be restored back into how we are intended, and that is relationship with God. And I say all of this to show us that God is relational. God desires and God intends to be in relationship and so we, as humans, need to view that and take that as, okay, this is probably really important to have relationship in our lives. Number one, relationship with God, but also relationship with others. And I think John 3.16 gives such a great, just simplistic way of viewing this. For God so loved the world, that shows relationship, that he gave, again, relationship, it's one only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, which is showing a restoration of that relationship again with God that gives eternal life. And so what we again, what we see is that we are restored back through Jesus to God, but that relationships are important. This is something that God intended, that God created, and wants us to be a part of. And this carries on into the New Testament, and as Jews who are like the, the, the chosen people of God. And now Gentiles are working together, doing church together. This comes huge because we have this understanding that relationship is not just based on ethnicity or God choosing a people. It is now based in Jesus through the blood of Christ. And so Romans 8, 15, and 16 says this, and it's a good reminder. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. What's being said there is it's through Jesus, through his spirit, that we are now in relationship, that we're now in a family within the church, within the body of believers. We are not in relationship because of any affiliation to a political party or ethnicity or certain thoughts about this or football team or whatever it is. We are all adopted children of God because it's found through Jesus. And so what we see in the early church is that this, tr this truth is lived out. This truth that we are in relationship through Jesus with everyone is lived out. So I want to go to Acts chapter 2 verses 42 and 47. And this is a, a series of verses that we actually have out in the commons on that big um, canvas on the wall. 
You probably have seen this displayed in other people's homes and things like that. Um, but it's about like what the church looks like moving forward. So Acts 2, 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is like the kind of the model that we see from the New Testament and from God's word of what relationship looks like. Now, I say all this to kind of give us a little grid. This is not like exhaustive by any means with like verses and all that stuff. But I think something that can just be a good reminder of when it comes to relationships and how they are frameworked from biblical text. So relationships, they are created by God. That's something that we see again in the creation narrative uh, they are modeled and lived out by God. So God, again, has a heart to dwell with his, with his creation, with humanity, to be with them. He is literally moving, again, heaven and earth for this to occur. He's like, I really want to relate with my people. Like, I want this to happen. So it all, again, points to Jesus. That's the reconciliation that we needed for relationship to happen. And then relationships are intended for the church to implement and to continue to care for one another, we see that in Acts chapter 2. To grow in the knowledge of God, we see that in Acts chapter 2, you know, the apostles' teaching and all those things. And then also to evangelize. It says that at the end of there, like, the Lord added to their number daily. There's something special about a, a faith community that should look different to culture. Be like, wow, there's something different about those people, and I want that. There's something that makes me want to be a part of that. Because there's something true about the people of God having forgiveness for one another and living in humility and gentleness and patience and kindness that should look attractive to the outside world. Sometimes that gets really muddy. And I think we've seen that a lot in recent months, recent years, where sometimes the church doesn't look much different than the culture when it comes to the conflicts and the opinions and things like that. But what we see from Acts chapter 2 is relationships within a church context are there to help care for one another, to grow in the knowledge of God, and to evangelize. And it really lines up even with our church's mission of no, grow, go. Like we want to help people know Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to go for Jesus. It's key that we have a relationship with God and a relationship with others. And, and I, wanted, I wanted to kind of establish that just quickly because in this current time, it's really, really easy to just say, I'm done with relationships. Like, they're hard. They're exhausting. Uh, they're painful. You can put a lot of different words in there, right, about relationships. And so why would I want to reach out? Or why would I even want to redo these things and, and put effort into, in, into there when there's so much potential hurt and pain? And I'm with you. Maybe this season has been some of the hardest in my life and in my family's life when it comes to relationships. There's been some key relationships that have just 
ended abruptly from various circumstances, and it hurts. And the fallout from that hurts and just flat out sucks. It's not fun. So if there's potential of fallout, why would we actually want to actually pursue relationships? Why is that? Well, here's the first thing that I feel like um, the Lord is kind of bringing through his word in. It's this. Relationships bring us to a place as Christ followers to truly live out a gospel-centered life that just can't be done when we are alone or when we choose to be alone. I want to make a clear distinction. A life of solitude is not unbiblical or like a sin. I just feel like you're not living out God's intention and the full possibility of a flourishing life that is rooted in Jesus. We're going to kind of get to this in a little bit, but in a lot of Paul's letters with relationships in the church, it's kind of geared around conflict. It's geared around people have different opinions on this or that. And he, he usually gives direction for those certain circumstances. He gives direction for that, but usually it always comes back to this huge concept of who you are in Jesus. Like, you're a Christ follower. Like, you're better than this. It's not like a, yeah, that person's wrong, that person's, uh. When it comes to sin issues, Paul kind of puts the smack down on some things. But in a lot of the non-sin issues, he's like, come on, y'all. Like, we're better than this. He kind of does a call up for the, for, for the church. Of like, hey, we are Christ followers. Like, we have Jesus, the Spirit of God living in us. We can do better than this. And it's not from like a shameful way. It's from a like, again, like, man, let's, let's do this better. And so I believe when we're in relationship, they are hard, they are messy. It provides opportunities for us to rely on the Holy Spirit to continue to transform who we are as Christ followers, to continue to transform those things that still need to be transformed. We're not done being formed to the image of Christ. We, are not, we have not arrived by any means. The Lord is still doing things, and we need to be open to that. And when we're in relationship, those things occur. And I believe God intended a church to be rooted in relationship with God, number one, through his son, but also with others. And it really echoes the greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the number one thing. We've got to have a relationship with God but to then love others. And that happens in relationship as well. Colossians 3, 10 through 17 says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossae. And he says this, put on your new nature. This is him reminding the church that they are Christ's followers. And be, re be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. So again, he's reminding the church of who we are in Christ. Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace 
and always be thankful. Verse 16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So what I believe is being said in this section of text is this point. Being in relationship with others in the church allows us the opportunities to live out, but also to grow in our hearts to be more like Jesus. So all of those characteristics that Paul writes about in Colossians 3, 12 and 13, like all these things, these reminders, in relationship, we are able to be in positions to work on those things, to live on those truths and say, all right, like, yeah, Christ forgave me. I need to forgive my brother or sister in Christ. Like they said this about me, like I, I need to forgive them. Or this happened or they did this, I need to forgive them. And so when we're in relationship, it allows us to keep that gospel, that gospel truth of who Jesus is, just core in our hearts and core in our lives. Is it easy? Sometimes. <laughs> is it hard? A lot of times. It's not hard to like admit that I need to be more humble <laughs> or to admit I need to have more grace and patience and all these things. Like that's not easy things to do. But it always starts with us first. It always starts with us realizing I need the Holy Spirit to empower us. Because we are not guaranteed an easy life by any means. It's actually the opposite. Jesus kind of says, yeah, your life is not going to be easy. But here's the guarantee that we have. The Holy Spirit. We have the guarantee the Holy Spirit will empower us to endure and have the patience to make it through the seasons that are really, really difficult. Because life is hard. It's, it's messy. And so we need the Holy Spirit to be with us in those entire times. And like I was kind of mentioned earlier, there's, there's hard things to, to be a part of and even to witness when we see relationships in the church starting to fracture over opinions, over differences on how to navigate current cultural things. These are deep, prayerful relationships that we've seen for years all of a sudden just like, just end. It's like, whoa, like, we're, we're better than that as Christ followers. Like, we, we are called to just be with each other. And yeah, we might not agree on all things. That's okay. But man, we can come together under the blood of Christ. And like it says, we can sing songs, sing hymns, and just worship Jesus in that truth that we are united through Christ. Not about what you think about this or that. And so I want to just go again through Colossians 3, 12 and 15. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. We do a really good job in that, don't we, as a culture? No. <laughs> And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, 
which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we are called to live in peace and to always be thankful. Relationships are not going to be perfect. There will be differences. But in those differences is a perfect opportunity for God's spirit to lead and to direct the situation. Not to bring people over to your side of understanding, but to first allow the spirit to renew some deep things in your own life, like those characteristics listed in Colossians 3. See, we are called to become more like Jesus, to be formed in the image of God. Is that happening in the relationships that we are a part of? And I believe this is a major part of discipleship. Discipleship is not just knowledge. It's not just like I need to know more about the Bible and about this theology and that theology or whatever it is. uh, Discipleship is also a lived experience for the Spirit of God to shape us in the image of Christ. It's a key part of discipleship. And that really only happens, or at best happens, in relationship. We've got to be in relationship to truly be discipled in every part of our lives. Here at CFC, we believe discipleship happens best in relational environments. Now, this past season of of the pandemic, the last 18, 20 months, has like completely just changed (laughs) how that works. We're still trying to figure it out. We have no answers. And as far as I'm, like, nobody has answers to, like, how to do anything. (laughs) Like, right now, everybody's like, we don't know. We're just throwing mud on the wall and seeing if it sticks. Um, But what what we are seeing, though, is this need to still have relationship. It's been weird, and we're still learning and assessing. We still have some key groups here, even at our, at, at our church, some small groups or life teams that are still meeting. We have some these groups that we called Who Are Your Few? They're just meeting up, just kind of randomly. They're discussing the Bible, they're discussing life, and they're living out these things in different contexts. And we've started to kind of reform some groups and to kind of relaunch them in this current season. And so on our website right now, we have a whole list of things that are, that are happening and ways to join and ways to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I think I need to step out into a relational environment. I think I need, to, I need to do this and be with some other people and allow the Lord to work in those relationships. And so if you go to our website, chinifacecenter.org, there's a tab called Relational Environments. Click on that. It'll take you to a bunch of different things that are happening. Some small groups that are like co-ed. Some families meet up. And they do a meal together, some don't, some are over Zoom, some are in person. We also have links to our women's ministries. Uh, They're doing small group stuff through Bible studies and different events. We have a link to to men's ministry. We're not doing any like formal things, but we got some groups of guys who are just meeting up. But that link will take you right to Pastor Mark's email and you can be like, hey, I want to meet up with with some guys and discuss the Bible. And he'll get you placed in some areas. And so we're, we're, we're kind of restarting, relaunching this because we see the importance of relational environments and how it's truly, truly vital for our discipleship to occur. It's not just knowledge, it's also that lived experience that happens best in those relational environments. Now, I again want to say these relational environments are not guarantees that your life's going to be like roses. Like, oh yeah, I joined a small group at CFC and man, my life was amazing, like, yay. No, but I think it can really help. 
I think there's some positive things that can happen from this because if we're all on this journey to be formed to the image of Christ, this is a way that can really happen in a healthy way. Like was even said before, in the church context, relational environments, they do help care for one another. They truly do, and there is story after story. And even looking right now at some people in church, I just, story after story of knowing, like, relational environments were, were helpful. I know back for the pandemic, uh, the life scene that I was a part of, there's some families that are here. Like, there were six of us couples. We had, like, there was, like, 20 kids in our life team. It was crazy. Uh, but there was four people that were all pregnant, <laughs> like, all at the same time. And there was, like, just this season of, like, we got to care for each other. There was some of those pregnancies that were really hard, and um, there needed to be some extra care. And it was like, man, that relational environment got together, made it happen, and really cared for one another. And it was awesome just to see the, the body of Christ work together in that way. And it was beautiful. And I think that's part of the intention that God has in his relational environments. Could that happen without relational environment? Sure, like it can. But man, to see the body of Christ do what it does in those contexts is really beautiful. And again, what I think is a great intention that God has in this. So what I want to just kind of even end on and just bring us to a point here is we see God's intent and desire for us to be in relationship with him and with others. Hopefully we're seeing this, this bigger picture of this is good. It's scary, yes, but man, this is a way for the Lord and through his Holy Spirit to continue to work on me as a person who was growing in their faith, but to also be with others as we all grow in our faith and work out our, our salvation together. That's something that is good and healthy. And I believe that, that God is calling the church to model this in a way that shows culture what it truly looks like to bear with one another, to agree, to disagree, and to still share a meal together, pray together, and say, you know what? Those opinions, who cares? Like, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and through Christ, we are united Let's take communion together. And to come back on the majors, let the main thing be the main thing. And I think the church has an opportunity in this season to do that and to do that to show culture that we are different and that's a good thing. Where before, maybe some people are saying, ah, the church is not much different. Like there's just tons of fighting happening in there. Let's show the world that through Christ, there is goodness and there is a difference to the way of life. I believe we have a second chance to show the world that because we are putting on our new nature and we are reminded that we are all united through Jesus and we're making the main thing the main thing and that is Jesus as we forgive one another and clothe ourselves in love. We're gonna help others know Jesus and live for him daily. Let's pray. Lord God, we again just come before you. I think in a season of being a little gun shy, I know I am, Lord. But what if I join a group and I say something and people go off on me? Lord, encourage us to take that step of faith. Encourage us to be open to you working in our lives and the lives of others. Lord, help us as a church to live out those principles 
to bear with one another, to forgive one another, to have patience for one another, to not let our first thought of whatever just come right out, that we would take a step back, allow the Holy Spirit to work on us before we just shout out something. Lord, let us model to the world what true relationship, what true relationship and true community looks like. Lord, we love you. We continue just to ask for you to give us your spirit to empower us to live for you daily in every conversation, in every circumstance, in every relationship, that we'd live for you in that. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So again, I, I want to just quickly remind you, um, we have some groups that are relaunching and reforming. Information's on our website, but if you're like, I want to talk to somebody right now, um, find me, talk to me after service, out there at the Next Steps table. Um, you can talk to them out there as well. You can fill out a little contact card, and we would totally get in contact with you even this week and say, hey, here's what's, here's what's happening. So we want you to, to just feel like you can ask questions and to just all those things, all right? Because we believe it is vital to just the health of the church and for the health of us as believers to be in a relational environment. So with that, know that Jesus loves you. So do Mark and Kate. I think they're on a plane right now from Cleveland coming back home. Um, so yeah, so thank you guys so much for joining with us. And um, parents, don't forget to pick up your kids. That's that new, re- that new routine that we're starting again. So don't just leave. We, you have your kids back in the, in the Faith Kids area. So, all right, well, thank you guys so much.